How many of you believe that living the days of heaven here on the earth is very doable? It has to be. It's our, it's, it's our only choice. It's not even an option. It's, it's our only choice to see God manifest himself here in my life so it can become a reality. You see, the kingdom has to become a reality in your life. It cannot always be a concept. Hello? It can't always be a concept. It must become a reality. Nobody gets saved on a concept. But when you have a reality in your life, it enforces you. It empowers you, I should say. It puts weight behind. Come and see a man, the woman said, who told me everything. She had an experience. It wasn't a concept. She had a reality. This man showed me where we must worship. He revealed to me he is the saviour. He's revealed it to me. All the conversation was going on inside the woman. It was hitting her, so it became a reality. And then the crowd said, we no longer believe, not because you told us, because now we've heard the word for ourselves. Now it became their reality. The kingdom cannot be a concept. It must be a reality. It must become our reality. In fact, Matthew 12, 28 says this, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I drive out, that's you and me, if we drive out the spirit, sorry, if we drive out a demon-possessed spirit, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, not will, has. It's now become a reality. How many of you want that kind of reality? When we speak, things happen. We must apply Turn our ears, apply our hearts, cry aloud for greater insight so that we can manufacture on the earth, and I say manufacture carefully, not talking about fleshly now, I'm talking about spiritually, we manufacture the dimensions of heaven in our lives so they become a reality. Holy Spirit's given us wisdom to show us how to work in the dimensions of heaven on the earth. Amen? How many of you know faith is manufactured? It's manufactured by what you believe and what you see. Yeah? When, when you look in the Word, if I see it, I can manufacture it inside. I can create faith by what I see and what I hear and what I touch. I create it just the way I can manufacture fear in my own heart. I can manufacture doubt. I have the ability to manufacture certain things. Yes? Whenever, when you speak negative words, they manufacture, they create things in other people. Just as when we get God's word, we have the ability, when we speak it out and we, we take that secure word, we have the, the ability, when, as it speaks, it re-manufactures, it re-engineers the places where it's allowed to be spoken. This is the, heaven, the dimensions of heaven. We have the presence of God. We have the healings, we have miracles, we have deliverance. We have the ability to manufacture city transformation by how we live, by what we, you know, what we say, what we believe, how we pray, how we interact with God. We have the ability to affect this earth. We have that ability. So Matthew 6, 10 says, your kingdom come, your will will be done as it is here in heaven. Done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven's the, uh, heaven's the place. But it has to, where does it first start? On earth. The earth becomes the centrality, proving. See, if the earth does not manifest heaven, how does the world know heaven exists? True? You manufacturing, you manifesting the kingdom, the dimensions of God on the earth is the only way the earth knows that there's a heaven and there's a God. This is why God wants it to become our reality. It's not a Bible school principle. It's our reality. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Speak to demons, cast them out. This is our reality. Go and spread the good news. Teach people to become my disciple. This must become our reality. Apply our hearts to wisdom so we, can, we know how to take it, where to take it, who to take it, when to take it. This is the, this is the dimensions we must work in. We must get the right perspective of heaven so it can become our reality on the earth. As long as we're always doubting and shifting, heaven never has a fixed position. It's made secure over there, but it needs to be secure in you. If all the time I'm doubting, if all the time I'm wondering what if, guess what? Heaven never has a fixed position. It's almost like the heaven saying, Tony, will you stand still? Will you stand for something? Because you, because you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. I need a fixed position. I need to, heaven needs to get a lock on you. So it can begin to move through you. Can you give me something to work with, please? And the moment we begin to turn our ear, apply our hearts, cry aloud, heaven says, that's it, lock on. Heaven now locks onto us and God sends his word daily because he knows the word has a place to spring from. If God, if God speaks to you today and you do nothing with it, why will he speak with you again tomorrow? There comes a time and a point where God says, I can't speak to him because he never listens or she never listened. But God in his mercy allows the word to come again and again and again. But it comes in different forms. Where it came to you personally, it might be spoken in your hearing, but you not hear it. Hello? It's amazing when I hear things, when I go to Malaysia and I listen to certain sessions, in fact, a, cl a classic illustration would be, on the first week of our conference, Dr. Jonathan spoke a message. The second week of our conference, the first morning, because he's not well, he, he normally takes that first morning and plays a video of the first week. And people think, oh, it's video. I didn't come all this way to watch a video. And he plays the session, the very first session, and me and him looks at each other and went, I missed all this and I was here. And it's like I'd heard, a different, I'd heard the same word, but it was a new word. In one week, something came to me again. And I'm writing notes, and they're different notes from the first week. So as the word comes again, that's the mercy of God. To let you hear the same word twice, but it comes to you and captures you in a different way than it did when it first came. I heard the first word. I recorded some of the first word. I captured some of the first word. But there was a lot of that word I didn't capture. In fact, when it came to the dimensions of Zion... Jonathan David had spoken, this is the shameful part, Jonathan David had spoken five years before and five years consecutively about the dimensions of Zion. When I looked in my notes, I'm thinking, why didn't I see this? 
And then when I finally catches hold of it, I'm thinking like I've just discovered it. I realize he'd been speaking about this for five years. But that was not what caught my attention. Other things caught my attention in that time. But now God's saying, I've been declaring it for five years. And now, Tony, because it's been five years of the future, you can now walk into it because it's been going for five years. It wasn't I was rebellious, wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't I, I wasn't hearing, I was hearing so many things, but that just wasn't, I wasn't in that zone, I think. I was hearing other things. But for five years it had been going past me, over my head, God's merciful. So when I catch it, the pathway's already been laid. That's why whenever I speak to you as a church, I never speak to you one week on this, one week on that, love this week, forgiveness the next week. I always labor six to eight weeks on anything I speak on. Why? Just because I'm finishing after eight weeks, some of you are just getting it. If I don't declare it for eight weeks solid or whatever it is, I think the most I've ever spoken on one subject was 15 weeks. Some of you went, ah, now I get it. But if I hadn't labored for 15 weeks, 15 weeks, and I'm preaching myself into understanding. And then I think, oh, I've seen a whole new aspect of this. I'm going to go again. People go, oh, not that again. You didn't catch it. So if you didn't catch it, we've got to keep speaking about it until we move on. Do you know what? This is where we've seen the most growth in our church because I've stayed on this path. God says, don't be like many. Flip. Subject this week. Subject that week. Subject this week. Nothing's ever built into the people. Your teacher doesn't leave a curriculum. Just because you don't understand it. She says, Johnny, there's going to be good news and bad news. The good news is I'm going to speak, Johnny. The bad news is you might need some extra classes. But I'm going to keep speaking on this. Why? Because of the benefit of the class. Some will catch it, some won't. Some will need extra tuition. That's the same in the spirit. That's why God keeps speaking. God knows it's not that we resist. It's just that we resist. Do you know why we resist? Because your opinion and my opinion gets in the way. Well, I don't believe that. It's almost like God says, that's good. Let's talk about what you don't believe. Because what you don't believe is, is troubling God. God has no problem with what you believe. It's what you don't believe. So we have to keep laboring until we get this becomes our reality. Our reality. Some of you are not quite sure. Okay, I'll keep speaking. Let's talk about these heavenly dimensions. Let's give them a, a, a description this morning so you know what we're talking about. When we talk about heavenly dimensions, yeah? When we, talk, when we say heavenly dimensions, living in the believer, they are birth, first birthed by the Holy Spirit. We cannot touch these dimensions without the power of the Holy Ghost. They cannot be touched. There is no shortcut. You don't just worship and they all fall out the sky. They are entered into by the power of the Holy Ghost. In fact, last week we read this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So no one's seen it, no one's heard it, no one's conceived it. Okay? But God has revealed it. And is revealing it by his spirit. So these heavenly dimensions, out of all the time we've been in church, God is expressing these heavenly dimensions now for us. 
This is now our now word. This is our preceding word. This is the word that's coming from heaven for us. God wants them to become a reality. So many pastors talk and they only ever talk principles. They only ever talk concepts. But if the church just stopped and just worked on one of those principles and brought it through until it came a reality, just imagine how more powerful those people would be. We quit, we, we move on and move on and no one's grasped, no one's working, no one's actually made it become a reality. So you sit in church and we become ignorant for many, many years. And the, God can't use the church because the people are ignorant, the people's opinions now become more powerful than the word of God. And that, though that church has many people, God can't use it. Heaven can't use it. Heaven can't flow through that house it can't become a highway to Zion. Why? Because it, the road's cluttered. He says, remove the obstacles. Make a path straight. Why? Because heaven wants to flow right through the thing. So then God can put people on the path and lead them into Zion. But if my mind has become the traffic block, my opinions have become the roadblock, God can't get his people on the path because I'm in the way. Because this is the incredible thing about God. It's amazing how God needs you. He works with you. God needs, he just doesn't rely on you. Come on. God needs me because if he didn't need me, he wouldn't have died for me. He just doesn't rely on me because he knows man is fickle. He knows that. And yet knowing what Tony's like, he still works with him. Still trusting him. But he just doesn't depend on me. I like that about God. It's not that I want to let him down. It's just that I just keep falling over myself. So when you think of the days of heaven, you must think of in terms of spiritual things. Spiritual things because they're open to us by God and by the Holy Ghost. The spiritual. So that when you touch them, or when they touch you, you go, wow, it just feels like heaven. Exactly. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you have an experience, you go, wow, this invisible power touched me and I felt it. And instantly you think to yourself, wow, that you are conscious heaven is touching you. Have you ever thought of that? You walk into some environments and you feel the Holy Spirit. You feel this atmosphere, this atmosphere is different. Don't say another word. Keep your mouth shut because you're aware something is arresting you. I can't remember Carol and I once being in, in a meeting in Peterborough. Andy, you were there, surely. In fact, it was just the, it was the week as I was coming into the ministry. And I'm in, in this meeting, it's five, I think it's five to seven thousand people. And I'm at that, I go to the front to respond to prayer. And as I walk to the front, it's almost like I hit this wall. This force field hit me. And it's like, wow, I was so consciously aware that I had reached and had stepped into another arena. There was one dimension, because we were set right at the back. Always, get, always sit at the back, quick exit. Some of you will know that. There is no exit in God. You know, the back, five rows is nothing to God. I can spit that far. The thing is, I come to the front, the one, one dimension of his presence, I get to the front, 
completely. It was almost take your shoes off, this is holy ground. And Carol and I stood there, we're holding hands. Before anyone even prayed for Carol, she's gone. She's flat. I'm thinking it's got to be God because she's never been down in the spirit like that. She, she was down in the spirit. I'm shaking under the power of God. Why? No one's even touched me. I'm consciously aware that I'm in a different dimension. Heaven is there. It's almost like want to beam up. Leave her, she's on the floor. I can go. You cannot enter dimension. You cannot enter heaven by flesh and blood. It's by the spirit. You cannot enter heaven by your opinions. Your, this is why your opinions have to change. You have to come into a line with God. Your opinions is going to limit God. And this is why, listen, we're all entitled to our, no, you're not. When your opinion doesn't match up to God's word, God says, change it. You are entitled to your opinion. The world gives you that. God allows you to think. But then he tells you, think on these things. And if you think on these things, your opinions will change. They no longer become, the reason why many of us don't touch heaven as much is because our opinions are wrong. We're expecting God to dance to our tune. We pray wrongly. We ask wrongly. If you see yourself as a, fa- if you see yourself as a son, this is why when in, in the discipleship, the first thing I hear about praying is that you must become a secured son. This is the position that all prayer must take. Secure him as your father. Be secured in that you're a son. Because it'll tell me whether you're a son by the way you ask. I go to my, my, you know, my kids just come to me and ask unreservedly, Dad, I need some money. You know, because you have that freedom. They know, Dad, they've got that relationship. They don't know I've got the money. They just expect the money. That's true. Wife took it all. (laughs) <laughs> the thing is, they just come, don't they? They expect it. They, and, and you know, some, with most kids, they come unashamedly. But that's okay. That's okay. That's part of the relationship. That's the benefit of the relationship. You know, no is just as valuable as yes. Kids don't like that, but that's reality. But if you stand on the side of your father as, as a, a secured son and you ask rightly, then if, if you ask rightly, everything's got to be yes. Because you ask him rightly in accordance with his word. But that's the journey we're all on. Get into know. That's why we need wisdom, insight. Am I asking right, Lord? Is this your word? Have you ever noticed when you pray, you start explaining to God about the word? God, I'm praying for Jimmy. You know Jimmy, Lord. He's the guy, da-da-da, da-da-da. And you start giving God the background and the history. God says, me, God, me know what you mean. Sometimes I'm praying for someone, I can't remember the name. It's like, I can't pray for him, Lord, because I can't remember the name. God says, hello, I know you, I can read your heart, I know what you mean. Don't need the name. If, you, if the name's good, if it comes back to you, great, use it. But you know, I don't need it. I know who you're, who you're trying to, to pray for. But you see, we think like that these are the kind of things that limit us. Oh, I can't, what's his name? Jimmy, I'm praying for someone, and I can't remember his name. What's his name? God, I've got his name now. I can pray for you. I can pray for him. God says, did we really need all that? Hey? We go, this is the, the games that we play. God's saying, hello. Hello, me God, you're not. When we say heavenly dimensions, 
We, are set, we mean they are divine. So the first thing is the spiritual. Second is they are divine. Whenever heaven falls, God's nature, his character, his attributes begin to manifest. They're divine. The moment that Moses... The, Moses, the moment Moses saw the burning bush, he was acutely aware that he was having a divine moment. True? When Paul was on the Damascus Road, he was acutely aware that his moment was divine. He even answered, is that you, Lord? He was aware. Heaven is divine. It's spiritual. In fact, Matthew 7 17, sorry, verse 1. After six days, listen, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to the high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses, Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it ain't good for us to be here. In fact, if you wish, we'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just take a step back because this is freaking us out. And while he was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Turn your ear to him. Apply your heart and cry aloud to him because he's got the words of eternal life. In other words, God was trying to take them beyond flesh and blood. He was trying to, he, he gave him a glimpse of divinity on the mountain. They see Moses, they see Elijah, but then they see the sun transfigured. This was a divine moment. It, heaven was manifesting right in front of them. You and I, my friend, can step into that same transfiguration. You and I. Why? Because as the Holy Ghost comes, is inside of us, the glory of God manifests upon us. Oh, you might not shine bright and light up the room in, in the natural sense, but the glory, people see the glory on you. And they say, what is it about you that something's different? It's called glory. And you say, well, I can't say glory because it sounds arrogant. It's glory. Glory. If people see something in me or on you, just rejoice. Don't get carried up saying, see, no perfume can do this. Just rejoice your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Just keep shining. In fact, he tells you, let your light shine. So what you're doing is only what you should be doing. Yeah? But when people look at you and say, what? He's a Christian. Him. You're joking. Guess what? Something else is shining. But it isn't glory. So when we talk about heaven... We're talking about it's the Father's original pattern. So it's spiritual, it's divine, and it's the Father's original pattern. Heaven, that's why he says pray. That which is in heaven is on the earth. Why? Because he wants the original pattern on the earth. So whether you look up or, or on the earth, you see the pattern. Everything's fixed. You should be, if Jesus Christ is the exact representation of his Father, when you saw him on the earth, he kept saying, if you've seen me, you've seen me, Dad. Right. So, now he wants you to be in his image and his likeness. Right. So when people look at you, they see Christ. 
and they see our Father. Amen? It's the same deal. If Jesus is the exact representation of his Father, and what everybody saw was the Father, so when they look at you, you should have the same represent. You should be the same representation of your of your Lord. Amen. So as you reflect Christ, you reflect you reflect your Father. And the Bible says we're like stars that shine. We are epistles that become known and read because of what we carry. Amen. This is how you should pray, our Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let me model the pattern. This is heaven. Heaven was not birthed on the earth like we were birthed, but rather heaven means it's first birthed in heaven. It first started there, now it needs to manifest here. Amen? God created the heavens and the earth. Now he wants the heavens on the earth. When we say heavenly dimensions, we've gone spiritual, we've gone divine, we've gone, what's the last one I just said? Uh, it's the original pattern. It's eternal. When we say heaven, we're talking about eternal, eternity. It's always been. It's always been part of God. It's always, it was always in God. Why? Because before the heavens existed, God was. God was not homeless. God was not a refugee. God did not seek asylum in the galaxies. The galaxies exist because of God. All things exist and are held together by his word. Everything exists. So when you're talking about heaven, you're talking about its eternal quality. It's always been there in various forms. It's always been there. That's why it's dependable. It's trustable. It's reliable. Not trustable. That's not a word. It is now. Trustable. Reliable. You're trustworthy. Thank you. You can take it to the bank. The heavenly bank. Amen? Wow. It didn't start yesterday. It started before time. Amen? And it will continue after time. When you talk about heaven, it, taught, it started before you began. It, it started before you even became the twinkle. It's always been there. It's eternal. When we talk about heavenly dimensions, so it's not only eternal now. When we talk about heavenly dimensions, we're talking about something that is incorruptible. It's incorruptible. So when we have this nature inside us, this godly nature, it must become an incorruptible nature. Satan doesn't carry what we carry. We are, we are incorruptible. We've got an incorruptible seed. My flesh and blood can be corrupted, but the seed within me cannot. The seed is clean. It's, it came from a pure source. It came from an eternal source. It came from a divine source. And it came in, into me. And it's incorruptible. It cannot be... Um, what's the word? Corrupted, that's the word. Sounds so obvious, doesn't it? Can't be corrupted. It doesn't, go, it doesn't carry no disease. It overrides everything. It's incorruptible. And the Bible tells us that we have partaken of that nature. And because we've partaken, we escape the corruption 
of this world. So we step into this. As we step into it, it lifts us up and takes us out of this world. Because this world and all its desires is going. Right? But because we've got this incorruptible seed within us, it lifts us up, takes us beyond. So we can have and live in and become the heavenly dimensions on the earth. Amen? It's brilliant. I love it. When we talk heavenly dimensions, they're not only eternal, they're not only incorruptible, now they're invincible. Wow. You know the song we sing? He's uh, unshakable. He's invincible. Yeah, it's my song and I can't remember the flipping words. We're sons of the kingdom king. That's, the, that's what I was thinking of. Sons of the kingdom king. And we go into the chorus, don't we? He's unshakable, searchable. All those things, dimensions, they're all heavenly dimensions. That's, they're now in us. He's invincible. I love that. I love the fact that it doesn't matter what comes against him. He only has to flick his wrist, shake his shoulder, look at people. Boom. His enemies are gone. Wow. The world's problem. The world and all its nuclear weapons can't get rid of God. All the governments on the world cannot sanction and put sanctions on him. Fantastic. He's uncontainable. Wow. It's like he only has to speak. You know, it's one of those, me, God, you not. And it doesn't matter how many layers of security governments build, God speaks and it happens. <laughs> He just turns up and appears. How did you get in here? You need a level five security pass. You know me, God. I walk through walls. I just turn up and I'm there. I've come to tell you that everything's... I'm taking control of this party, this gig, and everything's going to work to my purpose. Not yours. I'm invincible. I love that. See, this invincible quality, this invincible dimension, when it comes on your life, and when you step into this life, guess what happens? It empowers you to stand tall. You become, in, you become invincible. Why? Because of the one who's standing next to you. One and God is a majority. Amen? You become invincible. Joshua, don't worry. They won't have, a, you know, Moses, don't worry. If Pharaoh tries to do this, I'll just speak my word and that's it, he's gone. Joshua, march round. The armies are gone. The, the walls are coming down. Jesus stands in the boat, rebukes the wind, rebukes the wave. Everything's calm, invincible. When you stand next to the one who's invincible, you become invincible. Amen? It's brilliant. Though a thousand fall at your left, Thousand may fall at your right, you won't fall. Why? Because the captain of the host is above us. Heaven is on us. When you hear the sound of the armies marching in the mulberry trees, get ready. Why? Because when heaven's on your side, man, game over. And the enemy knows this. He just works on the, on the fact that you don't believe it. You know... When we fight against Satan, he do, you know, on his best day and he brings his army out, it still doesn't match God's. It doesn't. On his best day, even in his polished armor, it 
doesn't hold squat. Because God only just has to turn around and say, this legion, go. God only has to speak to Satan and he's gone. And Satan knows that. He's working on the fact that you don't know that. When we say heavenly dimensions, not only are they eternal, incorruptible, invincible, where are we to now? Not only the original pattern, eternal, incorruptible, invincible, they, when we say in heavenly dimensions, we're talking about they're also invisible. I'm standing here right now and I'm praying and you're praying. It's invisible. It looks like we're looking at the roof. It looks like when we're walking around speaking in tongues, what are these guys doing? They look a bunch of nutters. It looks complete stupid because there's nothing in the room. So you think. But to us who have had our eyes opened, to us who have had our hearts circumcised, I'm in the throne room. I'm joining with my father. The angels are there. The cherubim's there. Everything's there. I work from that place. That's my headquarters. Every day I rise. I, I, I stand in the headquarters of heaven. I move from the headquarters of heaven. But you don't see that. And I don't always see that. In one second, and I don't know if you saw it on, on, well, maybe you didn't. And I wanted to try and get the video to show you. Now, I'm not saying it is, but it looked flipping good. Even if it wasn't, it looked flipping good. And what it was is a camera had been left on overnight at this intersection. Did you see it? And uh, all of a sudden, you see this Arctic lorry coming down the road, and you see what looks like a, an old man on a bike. And he can't see it. And all of a sudden, as he's coming, this Arctic lorry, he's dead. He's going to be dead. He's going to be pulverized. And all of a sudden, you see this flash of light grab him, take him, put him on the other side of the road, speak with him, and walk off. And it slows it down. And it could be, you know, there's a million pieces of software out there to do all kinds of things. And the, when, the guy who put it on my face page... <coughs> Uh, Facebook, sorry, on my page, is a pastor in the Philippines. And I said to him, you know, you and I both know this is reality. But we also know there's some damn good software out there. But even if it, it isn't, we know that happens. Angels can appear. Boom. And it was brilliant. As he slowed it down, you see him take this, this man on his bike, turn around, take him to the other side of the road, speak with him, put his hood up. And walk towards the camera and you can't see him. It looked flipping good. <laughs> see, he's unseen. Angels should be unseen until they need to be seen. What we want to see, we want to see him just because we want to see him. But angels are, then, are there to minister God's purpose. Right, so if you ain't got a purpose, ain't going anywhere, why do you even want to turn up? True? If you're not going anywhere, why do you need a camera? What are you taking pictures of? Nothing. Right. So if you have a camera, you're going somewhere taking pictures of things that matter to you. Yeah? We want, we want angels to appear so we can say, Hi! Set me on the magical mystery tour. In Peter Nichols' church, I've got a picture on my computer. There's an angel stood in his church. And I've got it on my computer. 
But when the angels started appearing in Pastor Peter's church, the first thing God says to Peter is, you make a deal over these and we're gone. You make a deal of these things, you're gone. Heaven's backing out. Why? The fact that they're in your meeting, so what? Now, let me just part of, let me just kind of park here a minute. It is a good thing to see them, no doubt. Just if it just helps inspire some faith, it's good. But we're not camping and relying upon angels. Do you know they were here this morning? Some of you didn't see him. I didn't see him. Well, they know they're here. I remember the morning. I, I got a vision and I saw two stood at the back door. And it's not Angie and Gwen. <laughs> they're Charlie's angels. Right? Or Tony's angels. But angels, heaven surrounds us. I remember the moment at the time I'm worshipping and I saw the angels on the balcony. And, got, and I heard the cry from heaven saying, get ready boys, suit up, we're going. We're God, the Father's about to move. So I've seen him in the spirit, but I haven't seen him one physically. Until I met this one. But the thing is, is we want, we want kind of to be turned on. We want heaven to fall. It's not something we play with. It's serious. It's serious. So many people get a vision, they go up to heaven, and then they come back and write a book. But guess what? All you had was a magical mystery tour. Why? Because when the moment you go into the spirit, you must hear the voice say to me, what did the Father say to you? Not what you saw. Well, I saw this. Now, see, what did the angels say to that young boy, Luke? Son? All the warehouses are free for you to go in, take the parts and go and deliver them. This was a young boy. So the thing is, is so many people get caught up in the supernatural, but they don't want to know the author. The father. Let's not get caught up in the creation. Let's get caught up in the voice. Let's get caught up in the one who creates those things. One of the greatest recorded moves was in Lakeland by a, a man called Todd Bentley. And some of you will know him, and it's not my job to say anything other than I'm going to say, is because he started getting angels appearing, the ministry began to focus more on angels than it did on the one who created the angels. You won't be surprised to hear that. That ministry didn't last long. Because then they opened the door to different kind of spirits. Angels shouldn't be coming down speaking to you. Unless you want to be a Mormon. Because they all claim, have you noticed, they all claim an angel came and, and preached to them. That's why the Holy Ghost has been given to you. The Holy Ghost is the one who speaks. Angels don't come and, and preach to us. Not in the New Testament they don't. The Holy Ghost is the one. That's why he says you don't need an anointing because the one who's inside you will teach you all things. But we go, we go searching for the dimensions of heaven. But they never become your reality. Because it was all dependent upon a meeting. Once we take the band away, the music away, you go into your quiet time and it's like, where's everything gone? But if you, if you can live in the dimensions of heaven, it doesn't matter where you are. Heaven will always open for you. 
When we say dimensions of heaven, we're nearly there. So we say we've gone from eternal, incorrupt, incorruptible, invincible, invisible. When we say heavenly dimensions, it means fullness, completion, and perfection. Fullness, completion, and perfection. When heaven falls, it's full. When heaven falls, it's complete. When heaven falls, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. You don't, you don't need, you know, I can imagine somebody, you know, if Angie and Shirley go up into the spirit and they see heaven, the first thing they're going to do is rearrange the curtains. <laughs> right? You know it. And they're going to, they're going to rearrange, the one who want to rearrange the flowers. It's true. Lord, you know, you could do a lot more if you just changed that vial. God says, you know, it's been here for eternity, don't you? Oh, Lord, you know that, vial, that, that veil's ripped. Yeah, you know why it's there, don't you, Shirley, don't you? And it's been ripped to show those who are coming in that the veil's been torn. But, Lord, it's torn. It needs to be renewed. No, 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 no. Let women in the throne room. They're going to redesign it. <laughs> Can't do that. It's perfect. It's true. Go in, in the throne room and we start, we go into the banqueting table. What does Dave want to do? Let me uh, organize this for you, Lord. I'll set the bookings. I'll arrange the caterers. No, David, it's always been here. It's been set for you. But Lord, you know, you think you'd give better name tags than that. Let me create some new lanards. No, David, it doesn't matter. We don't need it. Someone will always try and change something, but it's perfect. It's complete. It's full. Amen? You see, you and your compassion, you'll say, oh, Lord, I'll tell you what I'll do, Lord. I'll, I'll move over half of my seat because there's another one down there. He can tell me share my seat. But Lord says, no, it's your place and your place only. It's perfect. He knows what he's doing. See, because the moment you'll do that, you'll compromise. Heaven doesn't compromise. So last one. When we talk about heavenly dimensions... It means it's imperishable. It cannot die. It cannot fade away. The garments that we wear, the garments that he wear are imperishable. He doesn't need does. He doesn't need bold. He already is bold. He doesn't need a washing machine up there. He's so bright that when you look at him face to face, he can blind you. He's blinding. <laughs> He's blinding. When we say heavenly dimensions, we're talking about the coming king and the eternal father. We talk about heaven, we're talking about the coming king and the eternal father. Our king is returning. Our king is returning. We must always remember there's a man, Christ Jesus, on the throne. A man, Christ Jesus, who can identify with you in every way, shape and form. A man, to show us that it's possible a man can get in there. The coming, the, the coming king and the eternal father is in there. And you're in there. And I'm in there. And all those names who are written in the book. Is in there. Now it's up to you and I to stay in there. Live in there. 
operate from there, function from there, pray in there, worship in there, give your tithes and offerings from in, in there, do everything, speak to one another from in there, because that's our pattern. That's our code. That's where we belong. We're not waiting to get there. We're in there. We live in there. In him I live and move and have my being. We're in there. Amen? We've got to be in there before something's manifest. Because we're not in there because something's manifest. The things manifest because we're in there. Amen? This is the problem with charismania. He thinks the moment something explodes, oh, heaven's now here. No, no, no. They explode because heaven was here. We're not all of a sudden now in there because it did explode. I carry an open heaven around with me. I carry one. You should carry one. Why? Because we're all the same. He didn't give Chris a, a, a bigger dimension than me. If I turn my ear, apply my heart, cry aloud, that's all that matters. So what's required? Are you having this? Last scripture and I'm out. But you have come to Mount Zion. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. So heaven is the city of the living God. Zion is the new home. You see, the old Zion... He's, he's under attack right now. The old Zion is under attack. You turn on your TV, Israel is being shelled. Amen? And that war's going on. And those walls may fall, they may not fall, I don't know. But right now, the spiritual Zion's not under attack. It's peaceful. It's imperishable. True? God is in the new Zion. But he's not, though he may be over the old Jerusalem... His dwelling place is the new Jerusalem. Do you understand that? Just as God, remember what we said. When we, um, I'm trying to think of the scripture we use in the building of the spirit about God. Unless God guards the city, the watchmen watch in vain. I do believe God is watching Jerusalem because she has a plan, a plan and a purpose on this earth. Right? So there are people praying and God is watching. God is guarding that city, I should say. But you know what? I need to get the same God guarding my city. Because that's where I am. I can't be spending all my time just praying about Israel. I also have a responsibility to get the God in my city. And so do you. You also have the same responsibility to get God into your family. Guarding your family. Amen. So it's not just one thing. There's a multitude of things that, where heaven needs to invade. Amen? Jerusalem's going to have her day. She's going to have her day. There's no doubt about that. And we pray thousands and millions, if not masses and millions of Jews get saved. We know they will get saved, but we want them to get saved before that day. Right? But I'm no more passionate about a Jew than I am about a Mancunian. Because that's where my base that's my city. That's, I love my city. I love my city. Why? It's my birth. It's my place of inheritance. And if God puts me in another city, I'll learn to love that city. But right now, Manchester's in my heart. God created Manchester. God's a Mancunian as far as I'm concerned. 
So whatever nation God puts in a heart, that's what you're supposed to guard. Pray. Amen? I love Malaysia. I love Malaysia. Everywhere I've, I've made it. I love Australia. But I don't want to live there. I love Malaysia. don't want to live there. I love the Philippines because I've been to the Philippines. don't want to live there. Why? Mancunia. The Republic of Mancunia is the place. Why? Because it's where my heart is. Zion is my job and your job to bring Manchester to Zion. Amen? It's our job. So you've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands. Angels in joyful assembly. Not miserable Christians, but joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And this is what he says. And with this, let's stand to our feet, please. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. This dimension you will never enter into and it will never enter into you if you refuse him who speaks. Now I'm the one speaking, but it mustn't be my voice you're hearing saying that. You're not listening to me. You're listening to the voice of God, the, the word of God through my, my, through my voice. Amen? Your job this morning, church, and my job is to see that we do not refuse him who speaks. How do we do that? We turn our, we apply our, we cry our. So this week, what are you going to be doing? To show, hang on, to show that you have not refused him who's spoken. Oh, you heard it this morning, but when you go out and you're going to eat your panini in a minute and you drift off into your, into your, back to your respective houses and do your, your respective things, you cannot refuse him who spoke and expecting him to hear another word next Sunday. You will hear another word next Sunday, but it will, you'll never progress in it unless you obey this week's word. And tomorrow's word, if one comes to you, do not refuse him who speaks. So this week, your mandate from heaven is to turn your, apply your, cryer. That's the instruction from heaven this morning to us. So let's just raise our hands if we will. We all want the heavenly dimension and you, you're already, it's already here. It's already upon us. It's in us. The more we turn our ear, the more we apply our heart, the more we cry aloud, heaven will explode. This is our portion. Turn our ears. Apply our hearts. Cry aloud. Oh, I tell you, God is, I tell you, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning.
keep turning morning by morning. The Bible says, you speak to me as if one being taught. You give me the word that sustains the weary. But I must turn my ear to hear that. I must apply my heart to receive that. So that my mouth can declare it and cry aloud and speak it into being. So what I hear, I capture in my heart. What I capture in my heart, I must then sow it back into the spirit by, the, by a loud cry. Amen? Oh, I tell you, I could camp on that. In fact, I will. I will camp on that. I tell you, what I'm beginning to see more and more, so many things, good things are coming out of our worship. The word God is not, 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 the, not so much our worship, but what God is using our worship to speak as a, from that as a platform. It's brilliant. So as soon as I caught that, first of all, my ear had to hear that. Then my heart had to receive it. And then I began to declare it. You heard it. You turn your ear. You play your heart. Now we declare. Now it becomes our corporate word. Amen. It came from heaven for you. So that you could sow it back in the heavens. Say that again with me. It came from heaven for you. So that you could sow it back into the spirit again. Amen. So right now, open your, open your heart and say, Father, I receive your word today. I apply my heart to wisdom. I've turned my ear to hear what's been said. I'm applying my heart, and I will declare it this week. This will become my, mo- my, my operation from now on. I'll hear, I'll turn, I'll apply, and I'll, I'll speak aloud, declare aloud. Father, right now, all heaven is upon us. For Danielle, for Tyler, for Pat, for Jim. We've turned our ear of what you've you've spoken regarding them. You've said that none will die, but they will live. We've declared that they they will get well and they will not get sick. That fear and death and and sadness will not overtake them. But they'll go stronger and stronger and stronger. Father, your reputation is in our mouth. Your works are in our mouth by our declaration. We declare what you can do, what you will do, what you've already done. Right now, oh God, Pat's receiving a healing. Tyler's receiving. The word has come to him. The word is doing its work. Jim is getting stronger and stronger. Danielle is already beginning to respond. Her heart's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Father, we have no other way to operate than to stand on your word. We stand upon it. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.